I'm going to begin our lesson this morning by looking at a few verses in 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 12 there, beginning, Peter says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Fiery trials. As we think about what that means, our minds might go to things that happen that we have record of in the Word of God. We might think about some of the things that the apostles faced and suffered. We might think about Jesus himself and all that he went through, ultimately being nailed to a cross. But also, we face the same kinds of things today, not necessarily in the sense of being physically persecuted, but we face difficulties and trying circumstances throughout our lives. And especially as Christians, Peter tells us we should expect that that is going to be the case, not to be surprised by it, but rather to learn to anticipate these things coming our way and learn to, as he says here, rejoice to the extent that we're sharing in Christ's sufferings. I was thinking about a time several years ago I had been hired on at Ohio State back in 2014, I guess it was. And my initial hiring was as a temporary employee. And so I went for several months as a temp employee and then it was offered me to become a full-time employee. And obviously I was excited by that because then I could get health coverage and those kinds of benefits that I didn't have as a, as a temp. But due to some of the technicalities of how things worked, it turned out that they actually had to technically fire me as a temp before they could hire me full time so that all the things with the benefits behind the scenes would work out the way that I was expecting them to. So I had to go for two or three weeks, I guess it was, where I was without employment. Now, I was still preaching, of course, but uh, I had this other job to supplement my income from that. So it was a little difficult going for that little stretch without that extra income coming in. But ultimately, I was hired on as we had planned and everything turned out just fine. But in thinking about that series of events that I went through, I was thinking about a spiritual application or truth. And that is that sometimes as Christians, we have to be fired in order to be promoted. And I think that that point is especially illustrated in a particular story that we have back in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read about three Jewish men by the name of Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know that I've ever heard the story of these three individuals. But if we change that over to the name that was given to them by 
the Babylonian king, you'll probably soon recognize who it is that we are talking about. These three men are better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in captivity to the Babylon Empire as the northern tribes and then ultimately the southern tribes of Israel were taken captive, the northern kingdom by the Assyrians and then ultimately the remaining tribes by Babylon. And these three men were appointed to be servants to the king. And so they had a little bit better situation than some of the other Jews who were in captivity. They uh, were well attended to, their needs were met, they had kind of a special duty, as it were, to the king and to the other higher-ups in the government. But we read here in chapter 3 about a series of events that happens in which these three's faith is put on trial, we might say. It is thrown into the furnace of testing. And we see, as we read through the chapter, how all these things play out and everything obviously turns out well for them because they choose to remain faithful to God despite their circumstances. But I thought we would consider their story this morning because... Again, we face difficulties even today. Sometimes we might feel overwhelmed or we might feel like uh, all the responsibilities that we have to deal with are just uh, very difficult and even trying to our faith at times. We might be going through a situation where maybe we've lost our job or maybe we've lost a loved one or maybe we're dealing with some other kind of physical difficulty. And... We must ask ourselves, what will our attitude ultimately be? Will we look to God or will we crumble under the weight of all of these things? And so we're going to begin by reading the first seven verses of Daniel chapter 3. And you might put a marker there because we will be coming back to this chapter and reading it in its entirety over the course of our lesson. But we start here by reading about a particular decree that the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, makes for his kingdom. It says there that Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. We might pause there just for a moment to kind of think about the details that were given there in that verse, because a cubit is something that we don't measure things by these days. So what would 60 cubits be in our modern equivalency? It'd be about 90 feet, which if you think about a building, a building that's 90 feet tall would be about eight or nine stories tall. So that's pretty significant height to this statue that he erects. Six cubits as the width would be about nine feet. So that kind of helps us picture a little bit what this golden image looked like and the dimensions of it. So going back to verse 2, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to this dedication of the image. 
And so we read in verse 3 that all these individuals, they gathered together for this dedication and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And a herald cried aloud, verse 4, To you it is commanded, O peoples and nations and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the harp and the lyre and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And so, verse 7, at the sound of all of this music, this symphony, all the people and nations and languages, they fell down and they worshipped this gold image which the king had set up. So, this poses a problem for our three friends that we're considering here. Because, again, as you jump back and you read in the first few chapters of Daniel, you find that these individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were not going to adhere themselves to what their captors wanted them to do, even when it came to their diet and the things that they were to eat. We see that they pushed back against the things that were trying to be imposed upon them. And so, as we continue reading, we see that they indeed determine to not adhere themselves to this new commandment of the king. In John chapter 12, just before we continue on in our reading, we read here in verse 42 that concerning the time of of Jesus and his teaching and his ministry, that there were among the rulers at that time many who believed. In him. But because of the Pharisees were told they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And you can imagine that there were probably some even who were of the Babylonians who thought that this new commandment was ridiculous or something they didn't really necessarily want to do. But Given the consequences of being cast into this furnace of fire, they said, well, we better fall in line or we're going to have some trouble, right? We're not going to live too much longer. And so they went along with these things. And we see that this idea is something that is nothing new. As we read here in John 12, this was the attitude of many in Jesus' day and age. They knew the right thing to do, but they went along with the crowds. They went along with what men expected of them because they were more concerned with their popularity and having friends and not getting themselves into trouble from an earthly perspective. They didn't really care as much about spiritual things. We know in Romans 12 and verse 2 that we're told not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we see all of these things uh, exemplified for us as we continue reading back here in our text. So we'll pick up in verse 8, and we'll read down now through verse 18, read about this defiance that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exhibit. Verse 8 says, Therefore at that time, 
certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And they spoke and they said, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. So they kind of feign their praise for Nebuchadnezzar as they start off. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And so they say that there's these certain Jews whom you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due uh, regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you set up. So Nebuchadnezzar, verse 13, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, so they brought them before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you're ready at the time that you hear the sound of the symphony of music, that you will fall down and worship, then that will be good, he says. But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. And he asks a very interesting question there at the end of that verse, verse 15. He says, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? In other words, in the estimation of Nebuchadnezzar, you better do what I say because who's going to deliver? Who's going to save you if you decide you're going to go against me? In his mind, there was no one more powerful than himself. And so verse 16, it says, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego answered and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, they'd already made up their minds what they were going to do, hadn't they? If it is the case, verse 17, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from the hand, uh, from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And so they're determined, uh, in their minds, they are confident in the fact that God is going to see them through this, this difficulty. Even though the odds are against them from a human perspective, they're confident that their God is able to deliver them. And they're determined so much so that Even if God permits that their lives be taken, they're not going to go against what they know to be correct. So it's a powerful example for us. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 26, there Jesus said, Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. And so we have to ask ourselves today, are we going to be ashamed of Christ, ashamed of his word when we're faced with trying circumstances? In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12, the Hebrew writer there says, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. In other words, let us not be ashamed when we have to suffer, even if it is in the form of actual persecution. We should be willing to 
endure these things because that's what Jesus endured for us. And we look forward to something far better, even if our lives are taken from us. And so we come back to our text and we read, as you might expect, the sentence that is dealt out to these three men because they have refused now to go along with this commandment that they know to be in direct conflict with God's will. So verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. Now we read earlier that he was upset when he heard that these three weren't buying into the program, we might say. But now he's even more enraged because now he's called them and given them a second chance to get their acts together, as he would consider it. And they just flat out to his face said, look, we're not, we're not going along with this. So he's full of fury and the expression on his face changed, you note, towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So evidently, up to this point, he was uh, at least not apparently enraged against them. He was kind of, um, we might say, optimistic that they would come around. But now the very look on his face has has changed. This rage has become very apparent just by his body language and the look that he is giving them. And we see that he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. So, There's not going to be any kind of long, drawn-out, slow burning for these men. He's he's going to pipe this thing up as hot as it'll go so that they're just more or less instantly incinerated when he uh, has them cast in there. So verse 20 says, He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind the three and go and cast them into the fiery furnace. And verse 21 says that these men were bound in their coats and their trousers and their turbans and other garments. So it wasn't like they were um, undressed or anything before they were cast in. It was just as they were. And it says they were cast into the midst of this fiery furnace. And because the king's command was urgent, verse 22 says, and the furnace was exceedingly hot, uh, the flame of the fire, we're told, killed those who had taken them up to be cast in. So this fire is so intense that as these officers of the army are trying to cast the three in there, the flames are are so much that it, it takes their lives. So verse 23 says that the three fell down, bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. And again, by all human estimation, we might, if we stopped there, think, well, so much for that, right? <laughs> Surely they're not going to survive such a extreme situation. And we all know what it is like to touch a hot stove. It doesn't feel very good. And you can imagine, I don't know if anyone's ever actually been burned in a fire, but uh, not, uh, not a fun experience, to say the least. And we all understand how quickly that can take a, a human life. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter here is talking about the hope that we have as Christians, despite the difficulties we might sometimes have to face. And in verse 3 there beginning, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, made possible, we might say, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope is to an inheritance that is incorruptible, and undefiled, it does not fade away, 
It is reserved in heaven for those of us who are kept by the power of God through faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We know what it's like to go and you make a reservation at a restaurant or something like that. Well, that means that when you get there, you expect that they have a table waiting for you, right? Well, it's the same here. God has acted in such a way, he has demonstrated his love to us in such a way through Christ that we have a reservation. We have a a home waiting for us and we can be confident of that. He says in verse 6 that in this hope, in this confident expectation that we greatly rejoice, though now, notice, he says, for a little while, if need be, You've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. But now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Notice Job's attitude. We think about all the suffering that Job endured in the book of Job. In verse 23 of that book, in verse 10, Job is speaking there and speaking of God. He says, he knows the way that I take. And notice, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. In all the things that Job suffered, he did not wrongfully accuse God or renounce his faith. And ultimately, we know that through that fiery trial, in the end, he was promoted and rewarded for his faith, wasn't he? Remarkably, we read as we go to the remainder of the chapter here of events that defy Natural laws, supernatural things happen here because of the faith of these men. Start with me there in verse 24. We'll read through the remainder of the chapter. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Why was he astonished? He's just thrown these guys in there. You'd think that would be the end of the whole story, but he's astonished. And the reason being... Well, he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, That's true. That's what we just did. Look, he answered. So he's evidently looking over here at this roaring flame, and he's pointing, and he's helping others who are around him here to take notice. He says, I see four men, and they're loose. They're not bound. And they're walking about there in the midst of the fire. And they clearly don't seem to be hurt. And he says the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There's something unique about this fourth individual that is now apparent there in the flames. So Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the fiery furnace. He spoke, he said, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And so Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they listened. They were still alive. They came from the midst of the fire. And all these officials who had gathered there, all the king's counselors and the governors, 
They saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Notice the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. Uh, Not even the smell of fire was upon them. You You go and you have a campfire, usually in the fall, right, or maybe in the summertime. If you hang out around the fire for very long and you go away from there, you still smell like campfire, don't you? The, the smell of that is on you, even if you're not actually laying in the fire. Well, hopefully none of us are doing that. But just being around it, you, you smell like smoke. You smell like a fire. These men were cast in there and they come forth and not only are they not burned in any way, but they don't even smell like they've been near a fire. It's astonishing. So Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, he asked that question, well, who's the God that's going to save you from my wrath? Well, now he's seen that God, hasn't he? He's he's bore witness to the fact that there is a God who is powerful enough to, to deliver these men because of their faith. And so he blesses the one true God who he says sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, we see a a drastic change in heart with Nebuchadnezzar here. He makes a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. And the king promoted, notice, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they were fired and then they were promoted, weren't they? In Hebrews chapter 4, as we think about this fourth character who appears there in the flames, it's pretty apparent who that was based on the language that is used. How many times throughout his ministry that Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. So God sent Jesus to protect these three as they were there in the midst of sure death. And Jesus is there for us today. When we are in the midst of flames, we might say, difficult situations, we have a high priest, as we read here in Hebrews chapter 4, who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. And so the Hebrew writer says, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. And so let us again, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. We go back to the writings of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. And of course, these things were written originally to the Jews, as you recall. And no doubt, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego would have been familiar with these writings. And undoubtedly, uh, this was motivation for them to have the confidence that they had in their God and his power to deliver. 
But notice what was written to them. Now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That had happened before, when they were initially delivered out of captivity in Egypt. And God was with them. He parted the waters that they could escape and make their way to freedom. Through the rivers, he says, they shall not overflow you. And notice he says next, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know, that same promise exists even for us. Though we are not of the Jewish nation, we are of spiritual Israel, the church, as we read about in the New Testament. Notice what we read in Hebrews 13, verse 5. We're told to let our conduct be without covetousness, to not be self-focused, in other words, but learn to be content with the things that we have. Why? He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What indeed? First Corinthians 10 and verse 13, Paul reminds us here that there is no temptation that has overtaken any of us except that is common to man. In other words, what he's saying there is we all are tempted. We're all tempted by the same things. We've all been there. We've all uh, experienced uh, universally the different kinds of temptations that exist. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We've already read about what that looks like, how we escape when we're tempted. Well, we turn to God. We go to our high priest with confidence so that we might receive strength. We read his word and are reminded of how to navigate the situations of life. What do we do when our faith is put to the fire? Well, we have an excellent example here, don't we, that we've noticed this morning. And so we can see how it is we ought to walk. Like us, as we begin to conclude our lesson, to come back to the book of Psalms. And let's read together the 61st Psalm. Psalm 61. The psalmist there writes, he says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. 
You will prolong the king's life, his years, as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. And so I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. What a fitting psalm to consider as we have studied the story that we have this morning. When we are overwhelmed, we must look to the rock of our salvation, to the rock that is higher than I, as the song goes that we sing from time to time. And we will find deliverance for our souls. A couple more quick verses and then we will conclude. Hebrews chapter 11, towards the end of the chapter, there are a number of quick examples given of great faith. And I've kind of compressed uh, some of those things together here that we might focus on one specific example that is given. And I think after studying what we have this morning, we all can understand who is being referred to by these words. But in verse 32, the Hebrew writer says, What more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of those who through faith quenched the violence of fire? Verse 38, as he speaks of these, he says, of whom the world was not worthy. Truly, it is our faith that is the victory, as we read in 1 John 5 and verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. That is our faith. And So this morning, if you have never been born of God... We would love to assist you in those things. We would love to help facilitate your obedience to Jesus Christ by baptizing you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. That you can be born again, that you can have this confident expectation of an eternity with God despite whatever fires you might have to endure through the course of your life. If this morning you're here and you are in the midst of the flames and you need prayers, you need help, we're here as your spiritual family to pray with you and pray for you. If we can assist you in that way, we would likewise invite you to come forward. So if there's anyone here who has those needs, we would ask you to make your way up to the front now as we stand and as we sing.